talking to kids. Um, remember our basic concepts. We want to get a basic idea for ourselves. Translate it into child ease because our words are lousy. If we can find a good metaphor, great. Hey, some Christian topics have no good metaphor, just the way it goes. If we can find a biblical metaphor, even better. We're going to tolerate misunderstandings. We're going to encourage questions and imagination. Today, we want to talk about how to talk to kids about Jesus. We're not going to talk about the cross yet. I have another lesson coming up where I want to say just that. How do we talk to kids about the crucifixion, right? It's death, murder, violence. That's a tough one all on its own. So I'm going to put it aside and then even responding to that, uh, baptism and all that, still getting there. Today, just the person of Jesus is, again, a little confusing even for adults. Think about Jesus praying. Okay? Christians believe that Jesus is God, and we pray to God, but Jesus is not talking to himself. We also pray in Jesus' name. Did Jesus pray in Jesus' name? Uh, it's, you know, it's a little fuzzy on a couple of those things, and kids pick up on that even quicker than we do. Like, I don't, I don't get that. Is Jesus God, or is he secondary God, or third God, or, or not God, or what does that mean? Um, so today, we're going we're gonna to tackle that a little bit and see where we can get. Just like last week, the Trinity co- concept is both necessary and obtuse. Like, we're not going to come up with a simple explanation of the Trinity. I'm not going to make you watch the Irish guys again, but you should. There's, there's no great metaphor. Very recently, just a couple of years ago, one of the world's leading Christian philosophers, William Lane Craig, uh, said he had discovered a, a new metaphor for the Trinity, and it was Cerberus, the three-headed dog of ancient Greece who guards the gates of hell, or also known as Fluffy in Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, and while it was a fascinating analogy, most of us said, um, I'm not comfortable comparing God to a fictional dog, no matter how many heads he has. So it's like all the metaphors are bad, nothing works. Here are some things we do want to say about Jesus. We want to say he's fully divine. Jesus is 100% God. He's not partially God, a little bit God, fraction of God, 100% divine. How might we express that to kids? Yeah, none of those words that I just said mean anything. They kind of get it with regard to the Father. When we talk about the Father, they... As much as we manage to convince them that who God is, we basically want to say, and all that's true about Jesus too. So if, if we did good on lesson one with who is the Father, then we want to say, they're not the same person, but everything true about him is true about Jesus. Jesus is completely God, just like the Father in that respect. We also want to say Jesus is fully human. Not partially human, not imitation human, not wearing a human suit, but actually and fully human. And so, kind of the same thing, he's, he's also a person like you. Everything you've been through, he's been through. Everything you faced and experienced, he faced and experienced. All the elements of your humanness, well, probably not going to say that word, humanness, but just like you. Those are the two ideas, just like God, just like the Father, just like you. 
And then naturally a child wants to say, how is that possible? And we say, it's really weird, that's the point. Like it only ever happened once. You know, metaphors are where you take two things that are a little bit alike and compare them. There's nothing like this, and that's the point. If there was ever anything else like it, it wouldn't be a religion. I mean, it's like this thing happened once, and it's weird. And so we noticed, and that's the point. But those are the claims we're making. Jesus is a person who is just like the Father, God, and just like you. And that's, if you can get that far, then the, then the weird questions are going to come in of, oh, do you mean like, and you're like, tolerate misunderstandings, encourage creativity and meandering and just run with it. These are all the same questions that people have been asking for centuries, and I love that kids are still asking them. Literally a debate in the 6th century-ish A.D., that split the church in the 6th or 7th century between the monothelites and the diothelites. The monothelites, mono is one, thelos is will in Greek. And the debate was, does Jesus have one will or two? Like, does he have a human will and a divine will? Or does he just have one will as a person? Did they argue with each other? Church literally split for a few years over the mono, you have to like, in seminary, you have to learn, like, study the monothelite and the diothelite and the whole bit. It's tough questions, right? It's supposed to be. And it's okay for your kid to be confused because I sure am. It only ever happened once. That's why it's cool. So he is like God the Father. He is like you. And the word we use for that is the incarnation, which is a way of saying Jesus is one person who's two things. Every other person you've ever met is one thing or another, right? You're human or you're not. Jesus is one person who's two things. And that's what makes it really cool. That's why we talk about him, because there's something special about him that's not true about anybody else. And he breaks math. Huh? He breaks math. He breaks math. 50-50. He's 100 100 yes. Yeah. He's not an omelet where, like, all the ingredients are in there mixed together. Like, he is 100% both things is the claim if it wasn't weird it wouldn't be gospel <laughs> it's it's just a strange claim now then to the simpler words that we can talk about which is probably where i'm encouraging you to spend your time mm-hmm. are concepts like savior lord and son of god okay what does it mean when we tell our kids jesus is your savior what words are childies for savior Sorry? Keeps you safe. Keeps you safe? The rudest of root. Okay, yeah. Keeps you safe, or I I even go a step further and say, say, makes you safe when you're not. Like, the idea is that you are in peril. You're in danger. He's like Batman. We're going to get Superman in a minute, so save that thought. You're close. You're in the right universe. Um, What does a firefighter do? What words do we use to describe that? Rescue. Rescue. Yeah. So I think when we're talking about Jesus as Savior, he's out there saving people, he's rescuing people. People are in trouble. He's helping. He's making it right, making them safe. What about Lord? We use the word Lord all the time, right? Kids just say Ruler. Lord this. Huh? Ruler. Ruler. King. 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 Yeah, I think those are the right words. Um, 
just like we talked about last week with God the Father, because of all our cynicism towards leaders and the government and stuff, it's a little hard sometimes to say Jesus is our president or Jesus is our congressman. So we almost need the older words like, oh, king, ruler, he's in charge, something like that. We believe that. And then son. This one's great. Jesus really served this one up for you, okay? If you were a parent trying to talk to your kids about Jesus, he says, well, here's a metaphor for you. I am the son of God, okay? And that is absolutely a metaphor. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this and then explain it so don't throw rocks at my head, okay? Jesus is not literally the son of God. And what I mean by that is, the Mormons, for example, believe Jesus is literally the Son of God. That God the Father had consensual sex with Mary and produced a biological divine offspring, like Zeus producing Hercules. I mean, like that, that would be literal, like biological. Scripture says, no, that's not what we mean. It means something else. We mean that he is, in every, in every respect, like his Father. Jesus wasn't a created being like an angel, He's not a demigod. He is absolutely the son of God, but not like in some biological sense. Does that make sense? And that's what I mean by literal. Literal as in biological. He's not the biological descendant of a family of gods. He is God. What scripture is trying to tell us is there is a relationship between father and son that is a very real relationship, and that exists between the father and the son. And so we say he's the son of God. And I'm going to keep saying that because it's true. <laughs> but I don't mean biological descent. And also the Quran, oddly enough, the Quran refuses to say that Jesus is God's son because of that misunderstanding. The Quran says, far be it from Allah that he should have a son. Like in their mind, God doesn't sleep with women and make babies. And again, they're right about that. But they misunderstood what Christians were saying. We weren't saying God made babies. We're saying there's a relationship between father and son that is very, very real. Okay. So, acts just like the father. And what about authority on the Yeah, it seems to be some part of that relationship as well, that he is, though he is God, he submits himself to the father as a son does to the father. Yeah. And so you can talk about your relationship, you know, your kids are fully human people. You don't matter more than your kids. Right? You're equal in that sense. And yet there is a decision tree in the house. Right? There's a kind of hierarchy of like, we're going to, yeah. We're, we're, and, and it's mutually beneficial. Children are better off when they do what you tell them. That's a hard one to sell, but it's true. Right? Okay. Okay, so... To what can we compare a truly unique event? <laughs> the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I mean, it's surprising. That's why it's wild. Okay, how, what do you compare that to? Almost Batman, but in fact Superman, is the only thing I've got. This is a stretch, but if you're just a, uh, a comic fan, uh, a superhero fan, and you want to say, well, it's kind of like this, or you're ever watching a superhero movie, um, there is kind of a funny connection between uh, Superman and Jesus, and it's, it's actually intentional. Um, the guys who created Superman were actually uh, Jewish comics who were familiar not so much with Christian ideals, of course, but with the notion of 
a being from heaven who would save a people. And it was a concept. No kidding, during World War II and the years leading up to it, Hitler tried to ban superhero, Superman comics from Germany because he said they're Jewish propaganda. He thought they were like very religious, uh, it bothered him. Uh, so anything Hitler's against, I'm obviously for. Um, you got a child from Krypton raised to be one of us, has an earthly and a heavenly father, came with the purpose of saving humanity. Now, it's kind of like, is it perfect analogy? Of course not. But you kind of get the comparison of one person who's two things, right? He's, he's one of us and he's also not. Can I bore you with some Kevin Costner for just a minute? Another way of saying this. And neither are you. You're the answer, son. You're the answer to all we alone in the universe. I don't want to be. And I don't blame you, son. Be a huge burden for me. But you're not just reading him, Clark, and I have to believe that you were that you were sent here for a reason. All these changes that you're going through one day, one day you're gonna think of them as a blessing and when that day comes, you're gonna to have to make a choice. A choice of whether to stand proud in front of the human race or not. Can I just keep pretending I'm your son? You are my son. Okay. We're out there. Yep. You, you have another father to give you another name. He sent you here for a reason, Clark. And even if it takes you the rest of your life, you owe it to yourself to find out what that reason is. Anybody know uh, Clark's name from Krypton? Kal El. Anybody know the Hebrew word for God? El. He's from the house of El. Again, Jewish authors were like, oh, it's like the God family. Yeah, it's, it's kind of. Now, Ben, are you trying to tell me that? the guys who made Man of Steel were like intentionally channeling Christian doctrine. No, it's not like they put him in a church or anything. Oh, wait. Yeah. Wait till they frame him with the stained glass behind him. Whatever you want. It's like, oh, yeah. That ship that appeared last night. The one they're looking for. Nervous priest says what? Why they want you? No. With this general's eye. Even if I surrender, there's no guarantee you keep his word. Put him next to Jesus in a way. That's it's a little bit on the nose. That's the best person. Shouldn't I take it? What does your gut tell you? I can't be trusted. Problem is, I'm not sure the people of Earth can't be either. Oh, you're right about that one. Just, just a couple more. I'll keep it short, I promise. You're as much a child of Earth now as you are of Krypton. You can embody the best of both worlds. A dream that my mother and I dedicated our lives to preserve. People of Earth are different from us, it's true. But ultimately, I believe that's a good thing. They won't necessarily make the same mistakes we did. One more and I'll quit, I promise. You will give the people of Earth 
an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. Yes. My point being, no, it's not a great metaphor. It's not perfect. But were the authors of those comics and those movies intentionally channeling some Christian thought? Or, yeah, they actually were. Like it's, they weren't hiding it even. Like put Jesus in the frame with him and make a point. So it's kind of like, hey, yeah, we'll go with it. And, or we can quote old Marlin. Even though you've been raised as a human being, you are not one of them. They can be a great people, Kal-El. They wish to be. They only lack the light to show the way. For this reason, above all, their capacity for good, I have sent them you, my only son. Again, the writing wow. script out of John. I mean, it just... So, it's there. So I'm like, you know, hey, I'll use it. You know, why not? Superheroes are fun. There's obviously a lot of ways in which the metaphor breaks down. Of course it does. But someone, someone in pop culture was actually trying to do something vaguely Christianish. I'm like, yeah, I'll steal that. I'll take it and do what I can with it. Okay. Yes. So when we get to the crucifixion, we're going to talk about Aslan because he's he's my go-to even more than Superman to say this is a way of thinking about Jesus. Yeah. Especially the part where he says he is different people in different worlds or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lewis even more intentionally writing a story about Jesus. Yeah. Um, biblically speaking. If we're not super thrilled with Superman, and that's fine. I'm more of a Batman guy myself, Odie. But um, what, what can we say about just the words father and son that are helpful? This is John 5, 17 and 18. Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. This, by the way, is now the definition. I said earlier, what, what does it mean to say Jesus is Son of God? I said it's not biological descent. John defines it. He was calling God his Father, by which he meant, I am equal with God. Right? So that's the meaning of that phrase. He's telling you about his divinity. And I think we can use that and have some of the best conversations you're ever going to have as a parent with your kid. Um, I had the great good fortune of being a parent of Lucas. He was about three to five while I was going through grad school in theology and would have these high-end theological conversations on Tuesday and then talk to Lucas on Wednesday. And I promise you I learned more talking from Lucas than I did on the Tuesdays, that there's so much to be taught in that relationship for him and me what does it mean to say he's a son? Jesus is like his father's son. Okay? Talk about similarities between you and your parents. Okay? For better or worse, I tried to be completely different than dad. Uh, see how that worked out? Yeah. I'm a bearded preacher in the Church of Christ who drinks too much coffee. We're not anything alike. Yeah. So it's okay. Huh? I know, I, that was me sticking it to the man. Like, I won't wear your tie, I'll wear a bow tie. I'm different. Uh, yeah, I mean, like really a radical. And, and you look at your kids, and sometimes you see it on days more than others. Where it, kids are cool because they are both aliens mm -hmm. that are nothing like you, 
and exactly like you. I mean, you talk about incarnational. They are both the ultimate stranger in your home and yourself in the mirror. And each kid's a little different in that respect. Some of you get kind of blended kids. Ours just came out as photocopies where Lucas is Celine. Like just, oh, man, yeah. Did you feel it this morning when we both were looking at you? You were both in a mood and both looking at me, and I was like, I can't have two of you in this house. This is not going to work. Calvin is exactly a photo. He's just, I showed his picture to my college roommate a week ago, and he goes, wow, that's just like a ginger bend. I said, yeah, because he knew me in that age and said, that's, man, that's just identical and behaviorally exactly the same. And so you get to talk about, okay, you're a lot like me. You sit the way you sit in a chair because that's the way I sit in a chair. And we talk about our similarities. There are also differences. We're not exactly the same person, are we? And you, you do have your own feelings and choices and emotions and will and whatnot. And Jesus and the Father are not the same person. But man, the similarities are overwhelming. I'm talking about grandparents too, I and mean, you, you can see that. Um, and this is not a ginger metaphor. Um, scripturally, father and son is the definitive relationship between father and son. But the metaphor works for mothers and daughters can have this conversation, mothers and son can have this conversation. Again, Celine and Lucas can have this conversation because they're basically the same person, right? And, and you're talking about the relationship. That's what's being represented when Jesus, the Son of God, is that there is an identity there that is profoundly shared between them in a way that only parents and children get. No one else gets that connection but you. Okay. So when we talk about Jesus then, the Father and Son work together. Okay. Now, I, I've often made the joke, when you have your kids help you on a project, it only triples the amount of time it takes, right? But when I work with my kids, it doesn't always go super well. and usually involves me saying, go back inside. Because <laughs> I get frustrated, and I need to not do that. So there's only so many times they can hit you in the head with a flashlight and you're trying to right. <laughs> yeah. aim the thing you're working on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's a struggle. But why do we keep doing it? Why do I keep trying to do things with my kids? Because working and doing projects with your kids is meaningful. And that's part of the relationship. Father and son work together to a purpose. The father doesn't die on the cross, right? That wasn't his job. The son does, but they're working together to accomplish something, okay? Now they look alike, okay? Frighteningly alike at times. Uh, when the Bible says it this way, no man has seen God in any time, but the son has revealed him. Like when you look at Jesus, you're saying, spitting image of God. In fact, that's actually the word used. He is the express image of his person in Colossians. The fullness of the Godhead bodily. Like he is the stamp of God that we could see in human form. If God were one of us, what would he look like? That, because that's what he is. And so I get a glimpse of the Father I can get nowhere else by seeing the Son. They act alike. What would the Father do in a given situation? Whatever Jesus did, that's what he would do. What would, what would the father do if little children were coming to him and the disciples said, hey, the master can't be bothered with these children? Well, I know what the father would say. 
because Jesus did it. He said, let little children come to me. Like, whatever Jesus did in that situation is exactly what the Father would do in that situation. And I can go a step further next week. It's exactly what the Holy Spirit would do in that situation, right? They share those actions. They love each other. One of my favorite and most mysterious of all passages in the Bible is in uh, John 17, where Jesus is praying to his Father. And he mentions, he says, I want the disciples to be one the way you and I were in eternity. And you have this idea of, like, before any of us existed, they were sharing this perfect relationship of love back and forth, and now they are inviting us into it. Ah, that's pretty cool. But that's the, that's the relationship, is this loving. And, yes, the son obeys the father, which is especially weird in this case because they share divinity. But it's the nature of their relationship. One needs to be the one dying on the cross. One needs to be turning the sky dark because his son's dying on the cross. Like, they have jobs. They're not of different worth or value or importance. They just have different roles. And so sometimes in human relationships, we submit to different roles in our life, not because the person in charge is more important or a better human than me, just because somebody has to do that. And so that those relationships are, are beautiful. So this, to me, is like my favorite one to talk to my kids about, because um, it's been a reminder for me, too. I hope, if I had one more slide, I would say this. I hope God finds me as adorable when I screw up as I find my kids when they screw up. Like, when they screw up, why don't you throw them out of the house? You didn't work really hard on it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's nah, my kids. And again, it's that relationship that is first instilled in us between the Father and the Son that is now being extended to us. I, I think there's good stuff there.